You're listening to the Streak Center Podcast. And welcome in, folks, to another edition of the Streak Center Podcast. I am your host, Noah Taluki, flying solo with you guys today as Paul and Dresden could not make it for this second edition of Streak Center. Of course, go back and check out our Streak Center, our first one of the year from last week, as we interviewed three members of our women's soccer team here at John Carroll for the debut. This week, we have Peyton Miazzi and Allie Bartolone, both members of the John Carroll volleyball team. They will be joining us later on in the program to talk about their season and uh, and talk about some of their hobbies and interests uh, as well. And that was a really, really great interview. Really enjoyed uh, getting to know them more, and, and, and they're great, great personalities as well. But uh, thank you again, folks, for uh, for tuning in to this second edition of Streak Center. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at StreakCenterJCU, also JCU Sports and JCUSports.com for all the latest John Carroll sports coverage. We're going to dive right into it. Uh, John Carroll football off to a 4-1 start. They beat Marietta by a score of 45-10 to last Saturday. And this was just such a dominating effort. I mean, this is a team now that has only given up a total of 24 points in the last four games. So if I do the math correctly, they're giving up only six a game in OAC play. Absolutely phenomenal performance. And I got to say, before coming off the Wilmington game where they won 59 to nothing, I thought this is a team, a Marietta team that is always, always hungry against John Carroll. John Carroll has never lost to Marietta. Coming into the game, they were 33-0-1 all-time against the Pioneers. And, you know, playing at home against a a hungry team with with one of the best running backs in the OAC in Bryce Agnew, you know, this was going to be a stiff test for the Blue Streaks. And what they did was they absolutely dominated from start to finish, just like they've done in every single OAC game that they've played in this season. And another guy that looked really sharp uh, for for John Carroll was Evan McVeigh. He had 111 yards on only six carries, folks. Six carries he had 111 yards, including a 70-yard touchdown burst on the first play of the second quarter. Also, Brendan Few with over 100 yards and a score as well on the receiving end. And the biggest play of the game by far was Michael Palmer's 77-yard fumble return touchdown just as the second quarter was about to close. Marietta was deep in John Carroll's own territory, or deep in John Carroll's territory, and they were looking for a score. They ended up going for it on fourth down, and Nick Costanzo came out of nowhere to sack Connor Vierstra, who was Marietta's quarterback, jarring the ball loose on the sack, and Michael Palmer was there in hot pursuit as he picked up that ball and ran 77 yards untouched uh, for a touchdown. And there was some great blocking downfield as well from Bricker Teal, among other members of the John Carroll defense. But And this is what Coach Nystrom talked about after of that uh, from that play, is that that was really the tone setter uh, for the rest of the game. That And, and he said it too. Throughout his entire time at John Carroll, the defense always seems to step up and make plays when needed. And that was definitely a play where Marietta was knocking on the door. They were going to get the football to start the second half, looking for one more score just before halftime. And John Carroll shut the door there and won. The, and, and that really led to the momentum that they gained more even in the second half uh, with that 45-10 win. So with the win, John Carroll is now tied, still tied for first place with Mount Union, both 4-0 in the conference. Mount Union undefeated at 5-0 and overall. John Carroll still with that 4-1 record. 
uh, the one loss was 35-26 to Washington and Jefferson in week one back on September 3rd. So um, I'm sure it, it really seems like now it's starting to really ramp up to that game on November 5th as the Blue, when the Blue Streaks will travel to Mount Union. But uh, the Blue Streaks will be back in action on Saturday, October 15th, a 1.30 start in Ada as they take on the Polar Bears of Ohio Northern. And these next three games for John Carroll, Ohio Northern, who's having a really down year, they're 1-4. Capital is 0-5. That's the next home game. That's on October 22nd. And Muskingum on the road on October 29th. Now, Muskingum, is, uh, they are 3-2, and 2-2 two, two and two overall uh, in the conference. But these next three games... Uh, for John Carroll, uh, obviously must wins, and I, I don't. I think that the Blue Streaks will uh, will win those games. But of course, um, Ohio Northern is always always a tough opponent, uh, even even with a down team like this. Um, definitely a, a game that the Blue Streaks should not overlook, especially it being in Ada. Always always a long drive out there from University Heights, about two and a half to three hours, give or take, uh, in any day. And I know Ohio Northern has had uh, you know three quarterbacks in their last five games uh, for them play. But uh, definitely a game that they cannot overlook, and uh, you know, and I got to give credit to uh, Drew Nystrom and the coaching staff uh, for JCU. They've really gotten their guys to play every single week, uh, week in and week out, and it's been really, really cool to see, uh, you know, the growth of this team and and, and how hungry the defense is. I know uh, Coach Nystrom when I was talking to him after the game. You know, he talked about how that defense is is going to be upset that they gave up 10 points. And I know they won this game by 35, 45-10, but the fact that they gave up those 10 points, that makes them even more hungry. And that made me think, you know, this is this is a team that they're they're not all about just success. They want to improve every week no matter what the score is. I mean, even in that 59 nothing win over Wilmington, there's some plays that coach Nyström and company I know wanted to correct. You know, so it's it's really really good to see um this Blue Streak team and how they've really matured and developed throughout the season, especially after that devastating loss to W&J in Week 1. But as I mentioned, at Ohio Northern, Capital, the next home game, and, and that home game is where we will honor um, players that played in the 1980s. Of course, this is the 100th season of John Carroll football, and uh, you know we've been giving a lot of uh, historical updates and, and all that on, on our website, jcsports.com, uh, among others. There's also a book about John Carroll, uh, the, the 100 seasons of John Carroll football, that will be coming out uh, in about a month or so. Uh, we will have a pre-order form out for that book. It's 200 pages, full color of uh, 100 seasons of John Carroll football with statistics, history, and, and all that as well, uh, available for purchase later on. And then uh, the final home game of the season will be Otterbein. It'll be Senior Day, and they'll honor folks that played during the 2010s as well. That's on November 12th to cap it off. But uh, also the Blue Streaks wor- worked their way into the top 25 poll uh, from D3Football.com for the first time this season. They clocked in at number 25 after the win over Marietta. And Mount Union now is number 2 in the country, according to the poll. So John Carroll and Mount Union are now the only two OAC schools to be ranked in the D3Football.com poll. Moving on now to men's soccer. And now men's soccer off to a great, great start, as usual, in OAC play. Did not let that tough non-conference schedule bother them. I know, you know, typically they start out maybe a little, uh, 500 or a little bit better in the non-conference play just because of how tough it is. I mean, against all these ranked opponents... 
like we talked about last week, Calvin, Dennison, and Carnegie Mellon, Kenyon. I mean, that's four teams right there in the top 25, among some others that are close to top 25, like Case Western or Ohio Wesleyan in some years. But ever since then, ever since the Calvin loss, uh, when they lost 2-1 to one on McCarthy Family Weekend, which was homecoming weekend, they have won five straight matches, and uh, including 4-0 and in the in OAC play, and they have not allowed a single goal during that time as well. That's a big credit, I think, to Jake Vogren and Brendan Mower, uh, the two goalies that split time for the Blue Streaks as well. But a big one nothing win over Baldwin-Wallace on Wednesday. And then they traveled to Marietta. Interesting, because Marietta is typically one of the, uh, probably like the second or third best team behind John Carroll typically every year in soccer. And they went to Marietta, two and a half hours south on I-77, and beat them 3-0. And then last uh, last week, October 5th, they beat Heidelberg 3-0 as well. But uh, really, really good performances to see. They seem like the, uh, John Carroll is picking, up, uh, picking it up offensively. Nick Ruggiero as well. He scored in the Heidelberg game and the Marietta game. First time in his career where he's gone back-to-back matches uh, that he scored a goal. So congratulations there to the senior Nick Ruggiero. And in the 1-0 game over Baldwin-Wallace on Wednesday, Patrick Koenig was the hero as he scored um, in the first half uh, just about with about 16 minutes into the match uh, on an assist from Nick Greika. So, um, you know, and the uh, the guy who got the clean slate, of course, was Vogren. He had two saves in the game. How about this, Joe? Uh, Baldwin-Wallace's goalie, Zoltan Nagy, he had seven saves, uh, played all 90 minutes in goal. He is... Olivia Nagy's brother. Olivia Nagy, of course, the four-year starter for John Carroll in women's basketball. Four-time OEC Defensive Player of the Year, All-American. One of the greatest women's athletes John Carroll has ever seen, for sure. So her brother is the starting goalkeeper for BW. And uh, fortunately enough for the Blue Streaks, they were able to put one past him in the first half to win 1-0. And this was a Baldwin-Wallace team that came in. They were hot. They, They came in. Uh, with a record of nine three nine two and two, they just dropped, of course. Uh, but they they have really struggled in OAC play o three and one to begin now. But John Carroll atop the conference alone four zero and zero. The next closest is Ohio Northern sitting at three zero and one in the OAC eight two and three overall, and that is who the Blue Streaks will play this Saturday, October fifteenth, at home at seven p.m. at Don Shula Stadium, and then they'll hit the road. For two games, and they'll play Otterbein on Wednesday, October 19th at 7 p.m., and Capital in Columbus on October 22nd at 1 p.m. And these are some of the top teams in the conference now. As I mentioned, Ohio Northern 3 0 1, but Otterbein 1 0 3. They've had three ties this season in OAC play, 7 1 3 overall. Another team that John Carroll, you know, is in the mix, or Otterbein is in the mix with John Carroll a lot. Uh, four tops in the OAC, and then Capital uh, struggling this season with a two seven and two record, one two and one overall uh, in the or in the OAC, I should say. But uh, you know, always uh, you know on the road, uh, any game on the road in uh, in the OAC is is always tough. Uh, but the next next three uh, home matches are uh, nice nice three matches uh, in a row for John Carroll before they end their OAC regular season at home against Mount Union and Muskingum. The, the game against Mount Union on Wednesday, October 26th, is the Wensler's Warriors game, of course, in memory of Chris Wensler, who passed away in 2020, 30-year uh, sports information director at John Carroll, uh, a hero to many here, including myself. 
uh, as a graduate assistant in the sports information department. Uh, you know, and the men's soccer team was one of the most supportive teams of anyone uh, of any team at John Carroll uh, for Chris in his in his uh, bout with cancer. So uh, they were very uh, very supportive, and uh, that game will be in memory of him against Mount Union, who actually is doing pretty well this season as well. Two one and one in OAC play, seven two and four overall as well. Moving on now to women's soccer. And women's soccer, just like the men's team, were off to a very hot start in OAC play. They were 3-0. They beat Marietta 1-0 on Saturday, October 8th. Uh, Heidelberg 2-1 before that, and then at Wilmington 2-1. But they lost a really tough one, 4-1 to Baldwin-Wallace in Berea. That was back on Wednesday, uh, October 12th. And, uh, you know, but overall, though, Blue Streak sitting at seven five and two now three and one in OAC play uh, overall in the standings they're now tied for second with Mount Union who also sits at three and one Capitals in the lead at three zero oh, and one uh, with a seven two and two overall record how about this all but three teams in the OAC have uh, five hundred or better records right now so very competitive women's soccer conference. As usual, but Emily Patterzik for John Carroll continues to dominate on the pitch for the Blue Streaks. She still leads the OAC in goals with 11, and she also still leads the OAC in points with 24. And remember, folks, she is only a freshman. She broke the freshman record for goals scored in a season already a couple weeks ago broke Joey Scafidi's record set in 1997. So, you know, it just for a team that has really struggled offensively the last couple years, it's good to have uh, a player now like Patterzik. Uh, and, and Rosado, Madison Rosado, is another player that has, uh, she's second on the team in goals as well, that has really stepped up uh, for John Carroll. And of course, uh, Mackenzie Steese, who we had on last week, uh, we had Mackenzie Steese, Claire Holland, and uh, Lauren Gummany, if you guys want to check out that episode uh, from our first edition last week, um, Mackenzie Steese had had a couple of matches in a row, um, you know, where she got she got the victory and played very well at net, but just an unfortunate loss uh, for JCU against BW in Berea. They'll head west to Ada and play the Polar Bears of Ohio Northern on Saturday, October fifteenth, and uh, they're always always one of the best teams. In the OAC, and uh, but this year, two zero and two to start. So just a little bit below um, John Carroll in the standings, seven one and four uh, overall. And then Blue Streaks will come back home and play Otterbein and Capital, both Columbus teams, on October nineteenth and twenty second, respectfully. So um, you know, a couple of a uh, couple of real battles uh, for John Carroll moving forward, and uh, we'll have to see you know how well uh, Steese continues to play in net, uh, minus the Baldwin Wallace game, and uh, also with uh, Patterzik if she continues uh, as well. And remember, folks, the record for most goals in a season is seventeen, uh, set by Joe Comerford back uh, in the late nineties, early two thousand tens or early two thousands, I should say. So. Uh, you know, Patterson, of course, with 11. She's got five games to go in the regular season, possibly a sixth in OAC tournament time. So I think it's still it still could be within reach. I mean, it is a little probably a little bit harder at this point, but I would still say it's in reach. So we will definitely update you guys uh, on some of those milestones as well. And speaking of milestones, 
I should mention uh, football. Uh, Brennan Few is only two catches away uh, for uh, to get into the top ten all time in catches uh, for a career. He recorded his 100th catch against Wilmington a few weeks ago. Also, Evan McVeigh is only 30 rushing yards away from 1,000 career rushing yards as well as a sophomore. And just this would be his 16th career game. Uh, very, very impressive to see uh, from the young sophomore. And Demarius Goodwin eclipsed 1,000 yards for his career against Wilmington a few weeks ago as well. And remember, he's only played in now, he's only played in seven games as uh, as uh, last year in 2021, only three in 2020 because of the shortened season. So when you look at it, he's only played in 15 games, very similar to like what McVay. So both McVay and Goodwin, you know, have, well, Mc, uh, Goodwin, of course, a little bit faster than McVay, but they've been around 14, 15, 16 games where they will, you know, eclipse a thousand yards. So very impressive there to see from uh, the two headed monster and McVay and good one as well all right we're going to talk a little bit about women's volleyball right now um a little bit just before uh we have them on uh, in the program later of course peyton miazzi and ali bartlin the fifth year senior on to talk uh as well but the blue streaks now 15 and 6 overall they're 2 and 2 in oac play and they lost two straight to or they've lost three straight overall Two straight since we recorded. They lost 3-0 to Case Western and then devastating 3-1 over Baldwin Wallace on Wednesday, October 12th. You know, the Blue Streaks, they won the first set and they, you know, they played with a lot of momentum and confidence. Um, but just unfortunately, uh, Baldwin Wallace just really showed up to play. And, um, you know, they, they honestly just played better than the Blue Streaks, um, you know, those last three sets. And uh, you know it was, it was especially difficult. Um, you know, a lot of lot of lot of errors for the Blue Streaks um, in the game or in the match, I should say as well. But um, you know, definitely a team that this season has probably played the best volleyball in the land, at least under Coach uh, Michelle Benoit uh, since 2016. Of course, with that 10 game winning streak, uh, you know, for the first time since 1996 uh, that the uh, that Ali and, and Peyton will talk about later in the program. But uh, you know this is this is go time now because these are some of the top teams um, in the conference that they will be going up against. Of course, perennial perennial OAC powers Ohio Northern is their next opponent. That'll be on Saturday, October fifteenth at one p.m. here at the DeCarlo Varsity Center. They sit alone at the top of the OAC with a record of four and zero, fourteen and five overall. Similar to soccer, there are seven teams in the OAC who have. Records above 500. That is Ohio Northern, Marietta, Otterbein, Mount Union, Muskingum, JCU, and Baldwin Wallace. So, again, very competitive, not only just in women's soccer, but volleyball as well. And of course, all around in, in every sport, I would say the OAC is like a Power Five um, conference when it, it when it comes to Division Three. But in volleyball, women's soccer, particularly. Um, you know, very, very competitive there. So as I mentioned, Ohio Northern on Saturday at 1 p.m., and they'll hit the road and play both Columbus schools, uh, Otterbein on Wednesday, October 19th, and Capital on Saturday, October 22nd. That's a 1 p.m. start. Otterbein sitting at 15-5, and 3-1 and in the OAC, and Capital 
they are eight and thirteen, zero and four in, in OAC play. So hopefully the Blue Streaks can pick up a win there, and uh, Mount Union will, will always, always probably be a, a really good game there uh, on October twenty sixth. But remember, this year in OAC play or in the OAC tournament, they only take the top six teams. So you know John Carroll is going to have to play well and, and and try to you know try to maybe eke out one or two more wins here. Uh, to try to lock up maybe like a like a four or five or six seed somewhere in there, but uh, but overall, you know, if John, I think really, I've seen John Carroll play with a lot of confidence this year, and if they can continue to play with that confidence, um, because they have talent, you know, they great back row players in, in Lexi McDonald and Peyton Miazzi, and of course Cassie Kelmunsey, reigning first team All OAC hitter, and Allie Bartolone, five year setter. Uh, and and they also rotate a lot with Maddie Maziars and Steph Connolly continuing to to develop just like Jen Fulmer uh, on the outside. So uh, they definitely have players um, that you know. And, and like I said, it's just all about playing with confidence and, and and really playing to the best of their abilities, which will help them win um, going forward. So uh, you'll hear more, of course, from Peyton and Allie later on in the program. But uh, a team that definitely. Um, you know, if they play with their confidence, they, they can beat anyone in this conference. And I believe that they believe that uh, as well. A couple more sports to talk about before we get to the interview. Uh, men's and women's cross country, they were both off this past week, uh, but both of them will be competing at the Interregional Rumble, which was held at Oberlin. Um, this will be on Saturday, October 15th. This is always, every year, just kind of like a little tune-up before OACs, uh, multiple different Division three schools from across Ohio, will be at Oberlin, and um, not everyone will run. So uh, Alex Phillip, uh, of course, the national champion in cross country, he will not be running, uh, among some others, for the Blue Streaks. But just a way for Kyle Basista to get his crew ready. Uh, before uh, OACs, which will be on October 29th. So they'll get a week off after Oberlin. And that's going to be at the Angus Moorhead Farm uh, uh, in New Concord, which is uh, which is on the campus of Muskingum University. Um, that's kind of like their their horses, horse racing complex and, and, and some others uh, as well. But I will say, uh, today, Joe Ginley and I, the sports information director here at JCU, uh, we went out to the polo fields, which is part of the Cleveland Metro Parks, uh, out in, uh, near Chagrin Falls. And the, the men's and women's cross-country teams uh, love practicing there. And, t- and, and they had a practice there. Uh, here on a Friday as we record on uh, on uh, October 14th. And just uh, seeing, it just really made me think of how special this team is and with, with Coach Kyle Basista and now Jordan Doerr, who's a full-time assistant. Uh, you know, just everyone is on different workout plans. So there's different guys that are, are running. It's not like the whole team is running together. Um, you know, Alex is on one workout. Um, you know, Barrett uh, Shetsley and, and others on other workouts. So, And this goes for the women's team, too. So, um, you know, I think that's really what makes Kyle Basista so special of a coach is that, you know, he he gets he knows how to tailor to the individual. You know, uh, Alex has a different mileage than, you know, maybe some of the freshmen do. So um, really, really good to see there. And and we w- and the reason we were out there is because um, Joe Ginley and, and if anyone's ever paid attention to uh, JCUsports.com and some of the coverage that we do, um, he's been doing a great job with um, doing these mic'd up videos. So uh, putting like a wireless microphone on um, a coach or one of the players. And we've done this before at football practice and and um, and, and basketball and some other sports um you know so putting a microphone on them and just hearing some fun fun sound bites out of them and what it's like to you know to to practice and what it's like to be there in that atmosphere and and you know having fun so um you know and so we were out there uh, filming and uh, next week is when the final uh, mic'd up video will be uh ready for uh men's and women's cross country 
But uh, really, really fun. They had uh, cider and donuts out there. Uh, just, you know, because this is fall break uh, right now for John Carroll. No school, no classes here on October 14th. So just kind of like a, a little celebration just as they get ready. Um, you know, now they're fully in fall mode, as Kyle Basista said. And, um, you know, of course, with the tune-up here at, at Oberlin and then the OAC championships on October 29th. Regionals is November 12th. That's going to be... In at the West Ottawa Golf Course in Holland, Michigan, uh, my stomping grounds up north in the great state of Michigan, the Wolverine State. On the, that's on the west side. Beautiful country up there in Holland. Uh, that's where uh, Hope is. Hope College is uh, members of the MIAA, the Dutch capital of Michigan. And then uh, the next week, it'll be November 19th. Nationals at Forest Acres Golf Course, which is the home golf course of Michigan State University in East Lansing. I've been, always wanted to golf out there. Never, uh, never been out uh, there, but I'm sure it's a lot different with uh, cross country runners. So, hopefully, the Blue Streaks will make it back to nationals. And at this point, um, you know, it seems like the the coaches and and, and all of them are, are confident that it will happen. Uh, but it has to happen first, of course. So I don't want to look too far ahead, but uh, just wanted to get those dates out there for you guys listening about men's and women's cross country. And last but certainly not least, men's and women's golf. Uh, I know that you know most of their season, of course, is in the spring. But just wanted to quickly mention them. Uh, they do have a little bit of a fall season. Uh, men's golf placing second at the OAC preview. That was at River Greens, which is Muskingum's home course in West Lafayette, Ohio. And uh, they had a couple of uh, nice performances as well. How about Anthony uh, Kukowiak? He had a 75. That was a career low for him, uh, the sophomore from uh, from Ann Arbor in, uh, in Michigan, Zach Brinks. And Jacob Hazen, both with 77s. Nolan Adams with a 79. Jack Weimard uh, with an 81. He was on the podcast last year with Johnny Roeder, who has now graduated uh, for the Blue Streaks. The men's golf, will their final tournament of the fall season will be on Monday, October 17th. It's the John DeSillo Memorial Tournament that will take place at home, their home course, which is Shaker Heights Country Club in Shaker Heights, Ohio, right next door to University Heights. John DeSillo, of course, he was a longtime coach and administrator here at John Carroll. Um, he was, uh, he was, yeah, he was a golf coach and he coached football. He was really involved with recruiting as well uh, in the athletic department. He passed away in 2016, uh, but uh, he was inducted into the John Carroll Hall of Fame in 2019 with Chris Wensler and his granddaughters, uh, Carmen and Felice Ferrante. They actually were former workers uh, in the sports information office, and I know they're they're very proud of their grandpa and um, and and all that he did uh, for John Carroll and uh, and the whole family, uh, just John Carroll people through and through. So the John DeSillo tournament happens every year uh, in his in his memory, and uh, always the final tournament before uh, they close out the fall season. In women's golf, they had their final meet of the the 2022 fall season and they had their own uh, John Carroll Invitational which was at Manakiki uh, in Willoughby Hills uh, which is about 30 minutes uh, from here and it's a Donald J. Ross design course I've actually golfed it before and, and just really really nice uh, fairways and, and how the very hilly but um, I like how the, the course is, is, is rolled out and um, Isabella Mineo was really the star of that she had a 90 and uh, tied for 8th place or tied for 5th I should say with um couple of D2 schools there, Malone from Canton, Ohio, and uh, Ursuline from not too far in, in Pepper Pike uh, from John Carroll. So, um, you know, finishing strong in a uh, in a strong field, uh, Mineo, uh, the sophomore. And there's only uh, 
there's only one junior or the one really one upperclassman on the team. That's Anna Shramka, who's also a member of the the John Carroll um, Sports Information Office. But the whole rest of the team is sophomores. They don't even have any. Uh, I believe they don't have any freshmen. Uh, on the team this year, so um, you know it's it's really interesting to see um, you know what they will do moving forward, um, and of course a new new golf coach for them, Missy Gideon. Uh, Missy's uh, son Grant is on the baseball team here. She's been a head coach at uh, Hiram before for women's golf, and um, you know really really known throughout uh, Northeast Ohio in many golf circles. So uh, Missy uh, was an assistant last year, bringing a lot of experience now uh, since Jeff Camp um, retired from coaching at John Carroll. For, uh, he was the coach for over 10 years for the women's golf program, but uh, he had a little bit more responsibility uh, to do at his uh, at his club, uh, the Hudson Hudson Country Club. He had a little bit more responsibility uh, that racked up, so he had to step aside from from JCU coaching. And now Missy is uh, is coaching, and uh, she is she is awesome. I was actually able to golf with her and Anna this summer, and uh, she's really really great personality. And I know that the um, I know she'll do a good job. I think for uh, at, at JCU uh, for the women's golf team. Coming up next, we have an exclusive interview with Peyton Miazzi and Allie Bartolone, two members of our women's volleyball team here at John Carroll. Don't want to miss this one, folks. Only on the Streak Center Podcast. You're listening to Streak Center on jcusports.com. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at StreakCenterJCU to stay up to date on guests, episodes, and more. Now, let's get back to the show. And joining us now here on the Streak Center podcast are two very special guests, members of our women's volleyball team here at John Carroll, Junior Peyton Miazzi. And of course, fifth-year senior Allie Bartolone. Of course, she's a she's an old veteran of this. Uh, she's been on a couple times uh, as well. But uh, ladies, thank you so much for joining us here. It's a, it's a real pleasure to have you guys on. Thanks for having us. <laughs> so uh, you know, right now uh, the season, uh, you guys had an, a ten-game winning streak uh, at one point. Uh, that was the longest since 1996. But unfortunately, just uh, three straight losses there. But but uh, the last three games, I should say. But uh, you know, how do you think overall uh, the season's been going so far? Yeah, I think it's been going really well. As you could see from those ten-game winning streak. We've done a lot to prepare to win, and we have a, a bunch of really great players that's kind of upped our level as a whole. Uh, these last three games got us straight into OAC, and it's a really tough conference. And I know we have a lot of younger players who it's their first season on the court, and they just need to understand that, you know, the OAC is big, and we have to fight no matter how good we think we are to win those games. I think there's so much, like, grit and just motivation as a like whole and as a team and there's just something here that we've never had before with like the connection that we have and it's amazing just to see it on the court like we all support each other and we know we can do it and it's just like OEC is a really good conference and it's been a really interesting year so far and it's just like we've got to you know take it up that next notch and keep going. You know, I just want to know too, as, as I mentioned, you know, the the ten straight victories. Uh, you guys didn't seem like I think it was just a little bit over a month that you guys did not lose. As I mentioned, first time since 1996, it was a streak that long. Um, you know, what was it during that stretch of time that you know you guys really you know bonded together and and, and were able to to go on that winning streak so much? Personally, I think it was just the no expectations. I mean, for so long we've struggled at the OAC conference and playing teams you 
don't know, you're not so invested in knowing everything about them, it kind of makes the game almost easier. You go in with no expectations, you just play your best. And you pick up whatever they give you versus when you come into OAC, you know everyone on the other side, you know their tendencies, and there's a lot of pressure running on that as, you know, it kind of determines what the tournament's going to look like. So I think those 10-game win streaks kind of fell upon the no expectations, just having ourselves play as we know how to, and now we just got to transfer that into OAC play. I think a huge part of it, too, is, like, the trust within the team and, like, those five core values that we have, you know, hanging up in the locker room and everything and just bringing those into the game and going in with, like, a proactive mindset that every game is going to be a hard game. Like, nobody in the OAC is bad enough to take anything lightly because everybody can take a set off of anybody, anyone. And when you have, like, a bad game, it's going to show. And you, you can't just go into it not, like, thinking that you can't play your best. What are those five core values that you guys have in the, uh, uh, the locker room? I know we have... Um, Trust, fearlessness, uh, accountability. Oh my gosh, I'm going to choke. <laughs> Don't remember the other two. Do you remember the other two? Um, Trust, accountability, no. fearlessness. <laughs> uh, fun. Fun is definitely fun. one fun of them. Yeah. That's a big one. Uh, the other one I cannot remember, yes. but they're up there. Well, there's no question about it that you guys have fun every time you play. I can just see it in that the energy and, and jumping up and down and all that. Uh, special, special. That's that's why volleyball is always one of my favorite sports uh, to call here. That's for sure. Um, but you know, I, I, I talked a little bit about you know what Coach Benoit and um, you know the staff, Clip, Clip, Kip, Modenovic, <laughs> uh, Brooke Turner, and uh, Kalia Watts, and, and, and all of them bring to the table, uh, especially with those uh, those core values that you guys have in the locker room, but. What is it about uh, Coach Benoit uh, in this staff this season, and, and you know what do you what do you guys like about them um, so far this year? Well, I know I this is my fifth year being coached under Coach mm-hmm. Benoit, and I know that this season she's kind of just it's she knows we're good. She recruited really top players, kind of got out the the weeds, and in, in the nicest way to say. And um, I know that she's just really so determined. She has high expectations for all of us, and knows we can't achieve all those goals and as of course I've said this multiple times having kid on the team is just amazing especially being a setter being able to be coached by an all-american is I just can't even put it into words so um it's awesome to have her on the team she's a super tough coach and I really respond well to that so great they, coaching staff they all just like hold us to these like such high expectations because they know that we can do this and it's kind of that, like, they don't let up on us at all. Even when we're doing good, there's always something you can fix, and they always tell us, like, we need to be better. Like, I've gotten told so many times, even in the game, like, hey, you can get that ball. Like, I know you can go for that ball. And it's, like, a really hard ball to get, but they trust me, and they know that I can get it, and they're going to push me to be better. You know, what are some other ways, and you guys mentioned a lot about the younger players on this team, and, and, and now you guys are, are kind of like the older group, uh, of course, Allie, the fifth year, uh, you know, as well. But, um, you know, what are some what are some ways that you guys have been the, the mentors uh, to the to those younger players and a lot of that youth uh, the, this year? Um, I know, I mean, being a fifth year, I'm a few years away from those freshmen and sophomores. But, I mean, just taking them under my wing, kind of showing them what I have to offer, I mean, in a few short weeks I'm not going to ever be playing volleyball at John Carroll again so I'm trying to impart my wisdom on them all. I know personally I've tried to take Steph Conley under my wing because I stay countless hours with her after practice. I know she can be good and I know that she's really going to thrive and I hope we get to see it uh, soon. I think a big part of it too is like there's such a like it's such an amazing thing as a freshman coming in and I remember it my freshman year 
where like the upperclassmen, they don't look at you as if you're any less than them, and they hold you to those same expectations, and they'll get at you on the court. Like they'll tell you, as well as your coaches, you need to get that ball, and you need to be better, and like that can be a better set. And it's all those things that just combine. Like you guys are coaches as well. You've been playing this game so long, and it's bringing that into the court and like guiding them to have that leadership and hold their teammates accountable. Now, Allie, um, you know your class. Of, of course, you were a member of the class of twenty twenty two. So, really, really last year's you know true senior class. Um, but you and Cassie, uh, Cassie Calamunchi, Calamunchi, um, you guys both decided to come back for that extra uh, the extra year of eligibility because of, of COVID. Um, you know, what was it behind that decision uh, for you to, for you to come back for a fifth year? We want to win, and we know we can win. And I, I mean, I would do anything to get another year. It's so just a blessing that. COVID kind of gave us all that extra year, and um, I, we're, just, we're just here, happy to play, and huge expectations, and hopefully we can achieve them. Actually, the best thing ever that they stayed. So happy. <laughs> you get that leadership there uh, for, for the underclassmen, and just and the fun, the fun yeah. that you guys bring to it, of oh course. Oh, my gosh. As, always, as always. fun. <laughs> and, and speaking of fun, uh, you guys were able to go on a, a really fun trip uh, earlier this year to begin the 2022 season to Colorado Springs, Colorado at the Colorado College uh, tournament there where you guys played Colorado College, Hardin-Simmons-Lawrence and uh, University of Wisconsin-Superior. Um, you know, So what was it like out there, You know, beautiful Colorado Springs, uh, in thin air over there uh, as well, 6,000 feet above sea level? <laughs> well, I mean, being from out west, I've, I've played a J.O. tournament there every year of my life. So, I mean, it was fun to be back. I, I bet Peyton has a lot more to say about it than I do, so let's hear it. <laughs> I did have quite a few tournaments out there, but I've never actually like stayed out there for more than maybe a week at a time. And just like playing college volleyball out there was such a cool thing. And I just remember in like the Colorado College gym, they had that paint, like the, the numbers painted up on there that said like breathe deep. And it was just the best thing ever to see that. And just bonding with the team and going to like the hot air balloon festival and everything. It was just so cool to see everyone so happy to be somewhere and so happy to play good volleyball. Yeah, what else what else did you guys do besides um besides play volleyball there? We did the hot air balloon festival. Yeah, besides that, yeah. We went to see um the Garden of the Gods mm-hmm. and like we just hung out around there and walked and saw all these like cool things. We went to um Man- Manitou Springs, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that was such a cute little town yeah. and we got to hang out and you know go shopping, get food and just honestly like team dinners and everything and just talking and getting to know everyone and talking with coach about like what we expect from each other throughout the season and just everyone got so close on that trip it was so amazing yeah i agree with what peyton said now absolutely and and i, I want to talk a little bit about your your careers before john carroll um you know particularly uh at the club scene and in the, the high school scene uh, of course Allie, uh coming from basha high school in in uh, outside of phoenix Club One uh, Volleyball Club as well. Peyton, you're with Bishop Fenwick High School uh, outside of Dayton. Won a state championship there your senior year. You played for Mintonette Volleyball Club, of course, one of the best uh, in Ohio and the country. And I just learned Mintonette is actually the old word for volleyball that they used in the 1800s. I I never knew that (laughs) until now. the original word. But um, So, of course, two uh, competitive high school teams, two competitive club teams. Um, How did that help you guys uh, when it came to your career here and, and ultimately maybe your decision to come to John Carroll as well? Um, yeah, so I came from a really tough high school program. I know that, I mean... Terry, I I, right? Oh, yeah, Terry's yeah. fan. <laughs> Can't say anything 
brought her on here. So. Uh, no, but she, great, great coach. Probably one of the top out west. Uh, pushed you to be your best. She was one of the hardest coaches I've ever met. Probably one of the toughest people I've ever met. And she honestly just didn't accept anything other than perfection. And that really just, like, drives you to be your absolute best. Because getting a compliment from her was, like, I still remember what she said to me, like, the, the like, two compliments she gave me, I'll never forget them. Like, they're ingrained in my brain. And I think just coming from such a hard program that makes you, like, work your butt off to even maybe see the court and playing with all these Division One players or girls that were going to the Pac-12 was just, like, it really changed your view on volleyball. And I know I've, I saw that same thing when looking at John Carroll. And I knew I could play here, and I had that drive to win, and play and so I guess it kind of just reminded me of what was instilled in my brain for so long so I mean that's why I decided to come to John Carroll with all that Basha experience. And mine definitely like Bishop Fenwick you know winning state my senior year and like you know going to state final four my junior year and everything and just those coaches they really taught me that everyone no matter what they're doing has a role on that team and that just kind of shaped coming to John Carroll. Like, everyone, no matter what you're doing, has a role. Like, even our freshmen have a role and all this stuff. And just, like, coming into that, I knew that I would always have a role on the team no matter what I was doing. And then Mincinet, oh, boy. Um, so Mincinet is literally just – it's something that I've never seen before in a club team. And going there with the style of practices they had, like, they always kept two teams for the 18s because their 81s team, like, all of them were going Big Ten D1. And then – we all practice together, so it's like, you know, from 15s all the way to 18s, like, you had, like, six teams in the gym at all times, and you guys were all practicing as a team. Like, it wasn't, oh, this is the 81s or 82s. This is, like, this is Mintonette. And it was such, like, a, like, they had this thing they said, and it was called CTP, which meant club team player. Like, you put the club first, and then you put your team, and then you put the players. So we were always, like, practicing just to make each other better. And, like, when I talked to Coach, when I talked to Coach Benoit the, for the very first time, you know, she saw that I played for Mintonette, and she was like, oh, my gosh, like, I want this girl. Like, I want this girl. And I was like, you know what? Like, I want to be there. Like, you know what it means to be, like, at like in the heart to be an M player. And it's just, like, they, they're so adamant on getting all these girls to recruit in college and play this beautiful game to the best of their ability, and it's just so cool. It, it must feel really good to be wanted like that by a college coach, especially, uh, you know, just, just being able to say, you know, I really want you to play. And it, I feel like, it, it, especially after all that hard work in high school and club and all that, it just feels like it's so rewarding once it oh, pays it off as so well. so rewarding, especially after driving, you know, like an hour and a half to two hours for every yeah. single practice, every day. So it's everyday practice. Uh, they a... practice actually like five times a week. They have wow. one positional and then you have like the multiple teams practice. And it's just like, it's honestly like military. Like you're going and you have like, you have to say yes, coach. And you never say no, coach. You always listen. And it's, it's so amazing. Now, uh, I want to ask you guys uh, both about uh, some of your hobbies and, and things that you guys do outside of volleyball. And, and, and Peyton, I know that you are a very accomplished singer as well, even like a, a little bit of American Idol in there as well. Uh, yeah, so my yeah. sophomore year of high school, I uh, auditioned for American Idol, and I made it all the way through the backgrounds, as they like to call it, where you like basically go and see like these music producers and sing in front of them and it's the round before you actually get onto the tv audition um but they told me to come back because i was so young so that's part of it and i've always just i grew up singing grew up playing instruments i play like seven instruments it's been yeah yeah well what what are those seven that you play so i always include my vocal cords um so that's definitely <laughs> that's, that's one. one uh guitar violin piano drums ukulele and i can play the cello wow, so, yeah, there's, wow. there's quite a few <laughs> 
very musically talented that's for sure (laughs) but other than that love cars that's a huge Uh, hobby of mine as well i like to work on cars and i own like a 94 miata that's a huge thing for me love that (laughs) how about you Allie? peyton has a lot cooler hobbies than i do (laughs) i wish i wish i had peyton's hobbies i wish i was playing i wish i was in cars let's see my hobbies uh i like to okay I like outdoor sports, so like when I'm old and retired from volleyball, I, I've been skiing since I was like six, so I go skiing every winter. Definitely take up time doing that, and I love water sports. I'm horrible at them, but they're <laughs> fun to do, and I enjoy them, and I like to bake. Wow. Those are my hobbies. What's your, what's your favorite thing to bake? I have make the best pumpkin bread ever. Oh, especially this time of year yes, right now, just before Halloween. Really good. That chocolate chip banana bread. Yeah. Well, duh. The oh, chocolate bring some of that. May have to may have to try some of that one day. I'll bring, I'll bring some. I got <laughs> that you. is for sure. Uh, now, Allie, do you go skiing up in like Flagstaff? You know or that area? Yeah, I go skiing okay. up in Flagstaff for a week um, over winter break every year. So because it's close, it's cheap, and you still get a really good experience. So I'm going the 28th this year, and I'm really excited. And speaking of outdoor sports, um, do you guys have any experience playing sand volleyball? And if and if oh, yeah. and if it's sand, uh, you know, if you have, um, you know, it, do you like that better than maybe the floor volleyball just because of, uh, you know, maybe uh, how, it, how it is on your knees or, or something like that? Maybe? So this summer was a really interesting summer for me. <laughs> um, I played volleyball six days a week for pretty much five hours a day. And most most days it was sand. Um, and so I actually went to a few AVP tournaments, and I found out you're not allowed to accept any prize money, but you're allowed to play. So that was fun. Um, so here's the thing. I love sand volleyball because it's so relaxed, but what I don't love about it is there's no intensity. Like, everyone's so relaxed, so it's, like, great if you're trying to, like, let loose and just play good volleyball and, like, stay, I guess, in shape. But there's something about indoor volleyball. It's just so fast-paced, and you have to do everything right that you just don't need to do in sand. And so I think for that reason, I just I can't get off the court. So, yeah, I played sand in high school. We had a high school team, so I played for two years. Um, where I was with, on the first team they ever had. And then I played club sand for a year in high school, but I did so many other things that, that kind of just died off after there. I personally love playing sand. I like the relaxed aspect of it, and I don't like... Like, I like that you can... Nothing has to be perfect. I like that you can just kind of play for fun, and everyone's enjoying it, and it's outside. I, I wish somehow volleyball on the court was outside. I love outside sports, but, I mean, duh, I love volleyball inside, too. So, I mean, I, I'm a huge fan of sand. I haven't played in so long. So I don't know how good I would be anymore, but it's fun. Gotta to be careful with those sand hands. <laughs> deep dish set. Oh no, I only platform. Only platform. <laughs> now, um, you know, speaking of of playing uh, volleyball in general, um, so you know, in other sports, there's plays, right? So football, you know, there's different routes that you run. Basketball, you know, you set screens and and, and all that kind of stuff. Is it with, now with you guys? Do you guys have set plays that you run, like when the ball is served over, or is it just kind of reaction wherever wherever the ball goes and in different sets and, and and all that? Oh my God, we have plays. If not, it would be complete chaos. Yeah. So we have serve receive plays, which is when they're serving it over the net. Uh, as the setter, you give them your hitters direction on what you want them to hit. So it's me telling them what to hit, and they have to go hit that. And then as for free balls, when they're free balling it over the net, we have set plays and they each have names. So we have six plays now. 
Um, for example, one of them is called X, and it's where the right side and middle cross like an X, and the outside is the outlet. So lots of plays going on there, but not very visible as like you'd see in basketball or football or stuff like that. I just pass the ball. <laughs> <laughs> of course, Peyton, the, uh, the DS, uh, or libero, as, uh, as some would say. But uh, now, Peyton, um, now you specifically yeah, in the back row, um, you know, how can you judge some, I feel like, you know, there's batter's eyes in baseball, right, where you can tell oh, yeah. balls and strikes. Is it one of those things with, like, a back row player where it's just you just know you have, like, that eye of if it's going to go out or not? You know, some of those are really oh, close, yeah. those plays. So, um, court awareness is a huge thing. Yeah. We've been playing on this court for so long, all of us. Like, we know how big the court is, and we know when, like, a ball... So I judge it because I'm in middle back. When a ball is coming, like, above my chest and I'm in the right spot, like, that ball is out. Like, I have to know that. And, like, it's one of those things where you're, like, watching everything. You watch the way they approach, where the block is, how they swing, if somebody's going to touch it, and, like, the way their wrist snaps, the way their hand moves. And then you just have to, like, follow it all the way back and see it. You have to work your butt off to get back to that line and just look. So it's kind of like after a while you get that instinct of, like, I know this ball is going to be out. And so it definitely is kind of like a batter eye where you're like, all right, that's, like, that's a curveball. It's going. Like, you got to know. I'll tell you what, I've learned more about the science of volleyball in this interview than uh, I've probably had my whole life. You know, and of course, I, I've mentioned it before. My sister, uh, she played volleyball in, in high school, won a state championship and all that. But even watching that, I, I didn't even think about all that. But this is this is a good this is a good lesson here in uh, some sports science. Uh, that's for sure. Of course, we're talking to Peyton Miazzi and uh, Allie Bartolone, two members of our John Carroll volleyball team here. Uh, Peyton. You, in your career, have had some unfortunate injuries uh, as well. You were out your first two years, so fresh. So you're you're academically a junior, but el- eligibility-wise, you're a freshman because uh, you were you were hurt those first two years. So, what, you know, what was it like battling through those injuries? And now, I'm, I'm sure it feels awesome to be finally playing out there as, as a junior. Oh yeah, it does. Um, so I remember. The day I tore my ACL, I was in extra reps during COVID season for like an hour and a half before practice. And we had all been like working our butts off because it was four days before our first game day. And our coaches were like, you know, man, like you were working so hard. And I just remember in our very first warm up drill as a team, when everyone finally got into the gym, we were doing um, it was like four person on uh, and we were rotating around basically like kind of like cross court pepper. But you're trying to win. So you're on teams. And I was hitting outside. And I just landed, and it snapped in. And, uh, I mean, I whited out after that, but I remember, like, getting carried into the locker room and just, like, I was, like, sobbing, and my coach came in, and she, like, honestly told me the day after that, she was like, I thought at that moment, like, you were done with volleyball forever because I was just so devastated. But once I, you know, finally got the MRI and found out, like, what exactly happened, you know, I tore my ACL, my um, MCL was strained, my meniscus was torn, like, I chipped my bones, and I did all this crazy stuff to my leg. And they're like, it's going to be a long recovery. And I was like, all right. And they're like, if we get the surgery soon, you'll be back, you know? I was like, okay. So I worked my butt off. I got that surgery. I was in um, basically physical therapy three days to four days a week all summer. Wasn't able to walk, you know, basically bedridden for summer. Um, and there, it was also cicada season. It was the year of the crazy cicadas. So I had to deal with that and couldn't <laughs> run away. <laughs> so that was crazy. Um, but once, you know, the next season hit, it was kind of like, this thing where I was like, all right, I want to practice. And they would not release me to practice until, like, towards the end of the season, I finally kind of stepped back on the court. But they were like, we can't clear you. And they wouldn't clear me until the year mark. So I finally got cleared and spread my wings for spring, uh, spring season. And here I am, back at it, better than ever. <laughs> Woo. 
I'm sure it's 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 great to have you back too, Peyton. Oh, it's uh, you know, great me. to be back. <laughs> <laughs> now, is your plan to what, what's your plan right now? Are you going to finish out senior year and that's it? Or are you going to come back for more? Oh, or? I am planning on getting that super duper senior season. Right. Uh, I plan on being here through my master's degree uh, since I'm studying psychology and they do have a master's program for clinical psychology. Um, so I'm hoping to be around for the next three years. Uh, John Carroll yeah. Volleyball will be uh, really great to have you as well. the oldest superstar Yeah, because <laughs> Alice feels like she hasn't left. Oh, yeah. And Peyton will probably feel that same Peyton's way. Peyton's going to be older than me. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, a sixth-year senior, yeah. I guess, as you would say. Uh, and also, by the way, um, I've heard you guys uh, have like a little team mascot as well. Uh, a little, uh, is a little stuffed animal. His name is Otis. Is that is that right? Who? How? What was the whole idea behind this? And he comes to every game, right? Uh, yes, Otis comes every day. He's the cutest little guy ever. He's a stuffed pig, and he originated when I was a freshman. The first, like the day before our first game game, game day, freshman year, coach brought in this pig because our saying that year was um, something to do with pigs and bacon that I can't exactly remember right now, but it's very motivational. And then I took Otis under my wing. Coach was supposed to have her, but I'm obsessed with stuffed animals. So I asked if I could keep Otis, and she said yes. So Otis has been under my care for four years. Only lost him once for about three months, but it's okay. Besides then, he's doing great. I do remember the saying, kind of, because I remember hearing about it when I came in, and I'm adopting Otis when Allie leaves so he can stay <laughs> in as long as possible at John Carroll Volleyball. Um, the saying goes, it's something about, like, don't be like the pig, be like the bacon, because the pig... Like puts like puts in the work, but the bacon's committed because the bacon gets fried. It's like you know, you like the bacon because the bacon's committed. You know, be committed to volleyball. Okay, the quote is: "It's the difference between involvement, commitment is like ham and eggs. The chicken is involved, but the pig is committed because chickens just lay eggs, but the pig has to die for bacon." Wow, that's, I, there it is. I, I could say I, I've never heard that for a, a motivational talk before of, uh, of <laughs> the a best coach. Motivational but, talk ever. You know, isn't like pigs, never eggs, forget it. Hey, no. I guess it works, uh, especially if you guys are, are fifteen and six and and, uh, and and doing well. Had that, that ten game winning streak as well, so uh, that's awesome there. And he probably even goes back before. That. Yeah, of course, before that. Uh, but final question uh, for you, ladies. Of course, um, there's only five OAC games left uh, in the season, and uh, four of them are against the uh, the the top four. Basically, of the OAC, Ohio Northern, Otterbein, Mount Union, and Muskingum, four of the top five. The other one is is, is Capital, which will be on uh, October 22nd. But, uh, you know, what is it going to take um, for you guys, uh, to, of course, because this year um, only the top six uh, make it in OACs. Um, you know, they're not, they're not going with the top eight. Um, so, you know, what is it going to take in these coming weeks to really compete and, and try to beat these, these teams that, um, you know, have ruled the OAC for, for such a long time? They're very beatable teams this year. They have, they used to be amazing. I'd say they, we've gotten a lot better, and they've lost a few key players. And I think for us to really show out and show that we can beat these teams is commitment and drive and just the extreme will to win. I know a lot of people, there's a lot of young players on our team that go out and play, and I think they just have to go out and not be scared. They know what they're doing. Everyone believes in them, and I think they just need to show everybody that out on the court. I feel like a big part of it too is like the concept of like practice how you play and then translating the practice into the games. So I know sometimes like we do all these crazy blocking drills and we'll, you know, read around the block and try and hit around the block and everything. And sometimes it just doesn't translate into game situations. So I feel like a big part of it is just like really hammering down and practice, playing lights out there too, and then translating that 
type of mentality and that mindset into the game. Peyton Miazzi and Allie Bartolone joining us here on the Streak Center podcast. Uh, ladies, thank you so much. What a great interview it was, and uh, really happy you guys were able to come on. Thanks, Noah. We're happy, so to, be happy here. to be here. You're listening to Streak Center on jcusports.com. For the latest news on all things JCU Sports, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at JCU Sports or visit jcusports.com. Now, let's get back to the show. And a big thank you again to Allie and Peyton for coming on to the Streak Center podcast. And this is what we love. We love doing interviews like this on Streak Center. Just, you know, filled with personality, filled with fun, really learning about their sport. Not only just their, not only just their sport, but really their, their personalities and, and what do they do off the court as well. And, uh, you know, getting to know a little bit about, a little bit about them personally. So and, uh, and their journeys of why they chose John Carroll and, and how... Um, their their past experiences help them now uh, at JCU. So we we love doing this. Um, and and what better uh, ladies on the team to have than than Peyton and Allie? That is for sure. Make sure you follow us on Streak Center uh, on Twitter at Streak Center JCU. Also on a Twitter uh, at JCU Sports for all the latest John Carroll sports news uh, and coverage as well. Big, big uh, good luck to all of our Blue Streak teams that are competing this weekend, and uh, it should be a good one. And remember, jcusports.com, uh, follow us over there for all the live stream uh, sporting events and uh, and a schedule even, too, of, uh, of who is playing next and, and, and what days as well. Basketball season coming up as well. That's going to be starting in a little bit less than a month now. Men's and women's uh, will have their own tournaments, their tip-off tournaments right here at John Carroll. We'll talk about more um, more about them, Beth Andrews and, and Pete Moran's crews uh, later uh, when, when basketball season gets a little bit closer, but I uh, can't believe it's less than a month away already. Basketball season and, and winter sports just, just around the corner here at John Carroll. Hoping to have Dresden and Paul back with you next week. Make sure to tune in next week, folks, only on the Street Center Podcast. <laughs>